Hey everybody, welcome to Hellboys. It's a podcast within a podcast, which is the Overdue Podcast, which is a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name's Andrew. I like this spicy flavor that you're bringing. It's to a this little, yeah, it's a little bit of curry. Episode. A little yeah. bit of paprika, a little bit of uh, cardamom. And it gets you that umami that you're looking for. Cardamom's a real thing. I was supposed to use it. Cardamom. I think cardamom is something else. No, it's got it's got it's M O M, I think. It's cardamom. Maybe you say cardamom. What do you say? What uh, while Andrew cardamom. looks up how to say cardamom. Um, oh man, it is spelled cardamom. Yeah. You cardamom. Welcome sometimes to- <laughs> sometimes cardamom or cardamom. Great. So Cardamom is okay. Cardamom sounds like a, a bad a Digimon. A Digimon. Yeah, we're just playing <laughs> yeah, Calvin Ball with this spice right now. So we are talking about um, the Divine Comedy by Dante. Maybe you've heard of him. Dante Alighieri. Um, and if we you are haven't just... heard of him, by the time you're done with the Divine Comedy, Dante <laughs> will make sure that you have heard of him. Uh, we are discussing the translation, the translation by Robert and Gene Hollander. Yeah, I've got some weird chaos energy today. Get ready tonight. for it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and yeah, we're wrapping up the Paradiso. This has been our monthly project for the last year or so. And I think we had How a good... How is that possible? I don't know, man. We had a good time in hell. And then we had a time in purgatory. And we've just been like... A, a just a drift up here in paradise. <laughs> I don't think we it were is, meant to be here. No, it, and it's interesting how that experience mirrors what is going on in each in each yeah. book. I don't know how per- I don't know how intentional that is. Like Dante probably didn't write this whole book just so that people wouldn't be able to understand it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But that's at least been our experience as we've climbed further and further up. This, I, I, Well, down and then up. Yes. Depends on which book you're reading. Um, I think there's a reason we called this podcast Hellboys and not Heaven Lads or Purgatory Pals. Like, they would have been fine names, but it's not what you well, came for. Hell, Hellboys is like a play on an established sort of property and that's there's also i don't know what you're talking about i've never heard of that before okay um so we are reading or discussing we've read for this episode cantos 28 through 33 of the paradiso which takes hold on i got i got an idea got an idea Uh uh-huh uh seven seven minute dante podcast called seven minutes in heaven the end yo (laughs) okay go ahead with your okay great um which takes us to the end um, and that'll be it. So we're going to talk through the end of the Paradiso and then kind of do some wrap-up closing thoughts as much as we are able to form them if our tools don't fail us as they do Dante if, if regularly. Our, if our memory doesn't get zapped by a lightning bolt oh my God. before we finish the podcast. Um, so if you need a quick refresher, last time on, we are up in space heaven with Dante and Beatrice. Um, he's been meeting Bible celebrities left and right. He's been meeting saints and prominent friars. Yeah. Um, I just read 27 because I f- forgot to read it for last, last time. time. <laughs> <laughs> and so with my fresh memory, I can tell you that uh, Dante is just chatting with St. Peter in 27. St. Peter's going off on all the bad popes. Yes. And then uh, we get to the, how would you pronounce this? Like Prima Mobile? Prima the Prima Mobile. The Prima Mobile. The Prima Mobile, 
Yeah. Which is described by St. Peter as the sort of is the root of the universe and like it's God's mind. It's basically this big. It's a big space station. (laughs) This is getting into 28, but it's basically a big ball of fire surrounded by a bunch of rings of fire. Yeah. (laughs) And that's where we open up this episode, I think. Now, did you understand any of the stuff that Beatrice was saying about? Because Beatrice is Dante's guide, as you know. Yes. Throughout this yes. whole thing. Did you understand any of the stuff that she was telling him about, like the relation of the different rings? Yes, I I figured it to, out. Okay, please, please tell me, because I've got some notes on it. <laughs> and I but I want to hear you talk about the real thing first. Oh, well, I hope it's the real thing. We'll find out. Um That's listen, as close as we can get is fine. Yeah, there I do want to give a shout out to two little lines of or like turns of phrase in this whole reading experience for this episode that I did like. Um the the opening line of this canto, canto twenty eight. Oh yeah, it's real good. Um when she who does in paradise my mind had revealed the truth against the present life of wretched mortals, then as one whose way is lit by a double candled lamp held at his back, who suddenly in a mirror sees the flame before he has seen or even thought of it, and turns to see if the glass is telling him the truth, and then sees that it reflects things as they are, as notes reflect the score when they are sung. Just so do I remember having done gazing into the beautiful eyes which love had made me which love had made into the snare that caught me. That's a great way to say, yo, I like this lady and she <laughs> and she's very pretty and she's guiding me. Um Well and and in in paradise. In paradise I in am, particular. I am P A R A paradise. Like that's a great word. She put paradise in my head, in my mind. It's very good. Um, um, Robert Hollander, the uh, one of the translators yeah. of of this, talked a bit in the prologue about how it is. It is. It's tough to one. It's tough to do a translation of this that rhymes, which is why yes. most people don't try because Italian words like mostly end in a couple different vowel sounds, and you've just got a whole buffet to choose from. And then the other thing that is hard to uh, convey into English is some of this like specific plays on words that Dante is, oh, is doing. Oh, sure, sure. Um, and you kind of have to pick and choose which you decide to go with because otherwise it just gets weird real fast. <laughs> I think in paradise sounds like a a, a good one. It's yeah, one of the good ones. It I sounds think. like it it scans well, similar to how Shakespeare scans. It feels like a word that Shakespeare would use to make the the line work like it just works anyway um dante's at the prima mobile um this is where all the angels are he's seeing a very bright beam of light that is god that we just know he just knows we just that's god and there are nine rings around it as you said um and the big okay so there's a tercet here where there's a ring where that's going very, very fast around the beam of light, like so fast mm-hmm. that Dante's like, why is it going so fast? <laughs> um, and then there is a tercet that Hollander in the footnotes calls perhaps the worst tercet in all of the Divine Comedy. Ooh. This ring was encircled by another ring, and that by the third, the third by the fourth, the fourth by the fifth, and the fifth by the sixth. So <laughs> yes, so that's how encircling that's works. How it's cir- that's how circles do. Boy, Dante. Boy, Dante. Um, oh, and boy. the the confusion for Dante is that as he's gotten further away from Earth, the spheres have moved faster. Um, 
things closer to Earth as he's been ascending were moving slower. And as he's gotten up and up and up and up, uh, things have gotten faster. And so he thinks, like, in physics, that's how it goes. And Beatrice is like, stupid, we're in heaven. <laughs> Take what I shall tell you if you would be fed and see you sharpen your wits on it, she says. How, how like, geocentric of you, you idiot, you, mm-hmm. like, knave. Um, and she explains that the circles move faster as they get closer to God because they are like animated by their force of love for God. Um, and if you think about it, Andrew, if you zoom all the way out, isn't earth just the furthest point away from God? So it's moving slower than everything else. And actually the real way that it's been working is that as you get closer to God, you move faster as opposed to moving out from earth and things get faster. (sighs) Think about it that way. The enemy's gate is down, my friend. So what I wrote about this, I'm just going to read you my notes. Uh I do not really get all the stuff Beatrice says about the relationship of the size and power of objects, you know, (laughs) as they relate to God. Uh, If y'all created this visualization for Dante's benefit, could you not have made it a little more intuitive? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because we did learn early in the Paradiso that things are only... We are only, it's only being relayed to us in these like physical terms because Dante needs that. Yes, that's a good point. But they also have not, they've chosen to make it kind of obtuse. So he has to work a little. Yes. It's like an album that you hate the first time you listen to it, but then you get into it more. Yeah. As you keep going. Yeah. What's that Arcade Fire album? The good one? Uh, uh, maybe you gotta listen to it again. The it's the suburbs, suburbs the suburbs. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, that, that one's one. good. I like that one, but I, I yeah. it took me a little while. Probably, yeah. it probably would. And sometimes if you if you don't listen to it for a while, you go back to kind of hating <laughs> it again, and you have to re up. <laughs> so I think that's what she's talking about. Um, she also outlines like the, um, she outlines the like hierarchy of it there's seraphim there's cherubim there's thrones and dominions and virtues and powers and principalities and archangels and angels and i think the angels are the closest to god they move the fastest um they're just higher level than everyone else i guess um and there's some there's some talk and and now we are kind of bleeding into 29 i think Mm -hmm. um there's some talk about like the creation of the angels and how they were created at the same time as the universe yes um, it's and pretty ta- good. Talking a little, just a little bit about like Lucifer and the fall. He gets a shout out for some reason. She she does another one of her um, telepathy things where she's like, "Hey, idiot, you're about to ask a question. I know what you're already going to ask me." Uh, and she starts talking about the creation of the universe, which is sort of big bangy, to be perfectly honest. Like. A little bit, yeah. It's not described as like, oh, God took seven days and he he took his time and he did one thing at a time. It was just like God clapped his hands and everything got created. Nor before then did he rest in torpor, for until God moved upon these waters, there existed no before, there was no after. Form and matter conjoined and separate came into being without defect, shot like three arrows from a three-stringed bow. I guess God is like a level 20 ranger or something. Uh, And as a ray shines right through glass, amber, or crystal, so that between its presence and its shining there is no lapse of time, just so did the threefold creation flash with no intervals and its beginning from its Lord into being all at once. So yeah, very big bang. 
it kind of squares. It works. Sure. Um, and the thing she's bazinga. <laughs> wow, I wasn't ready for that. God. <laughs> uh, gotcha. Man, I didn't expect Sheldon to be up here in heaven. Um, <laughs> and so she goes on to say that he created pure potential, which is matter, and uh-huh. pure act, which is the angels. Mm-hmm. And then everything in between, which she's a little unclear about. Um, but then, yeah, then as you were saying, Andrew, she she does go off a bit about Lucifer and the rebellion and stuff. Yeah, like she she goes off on that for a little bit. Um, the cause accounting for the fall was the accursed pride of him you saw crushed beneath the weight of all the world. So if you go back a few episodes, you'll hear us talk about that. And then she starts getting into, and this is a thing that Dante does a few times oh, throughout yeah. this the the bits that we've read, is she starts like taking this as an opportunity to complain about how <laughs> Christians are doing it on Earth, <laughs> and. It's just, it's mostly they got it. They got it pretty wrong. Christ did not say to his first congregation, go preach idle nonsense to the world, but gave to them a sound foundation. And that alone resounded from their lips so that in their warfare to ignite the faith, they used the gospel as their shield and lance. Now preachers ply their trade with buffoonery and jokes, their cowls inflating if they get a laugh and the people ask for nothing more. But such a bird nests in their hoods that if the people saw it, they would see the kind of pardoning to which they give their trust because of these such foolishness has grown on earth that with no warrant vouching for its truth, they still would flock to any promise. So basically they're bad. They are bad. They're, and they're more worried about getting a laugh out of the audience than they are about doing God's work, which was, is same, I guess. I wasn't expecting if they get a laugh to be in there. It was, gave me a real, a real, uh, Borscht belt vibe that I wasn't Just expecting. All, all these preachers working on their tight five <laughs> instead of, Talking about the tight 12, you know, the apostles. Yeah, that's right. right. I hear you. She <laughs> does also say that the angels, um, they're so good, they literally stare at God all the time. They don't ever look away from him. And that's how they know his goodness. And these false teachers, these bad stand-up comedians, have turned their eyes to their own cleverness. Like, that's what she's getting at is, Mm -hmm. you know, don't look away from God. The best thing you could do is just stare at the sun all day (laughs) so you know God's love. Well, because the angels are seeing perfection. They look at God, so why would you look away? You don't have anything better to do. Correct. Like, there's nothing better than what you're looking at right now. You found it. Uh Uh-oh, it's just infinite, Jess. There's just that magic videotape. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. The angels, they got them. That's all I'm doing every time I look at anything. It's like, oh, is this the perfect thing? No, it's not. I better keep looking at stuff. <laughs> is that isn't that what your son is doing these days? He's just like looking at stuff. Is that perfect? A little bit. Can I? Yeah. Is that perfect for my mouth? <laughs> he's trying. Yeah, he's trying to find the perfect thing to put in his mouth. <laughs> can this rug go in my mouth? I don't know. I'm a baby. It, it can. <laughs> Socks, feet, his feet, our feet. Oh no. Toys. Stuff that he just little bits of grit that he picks up out of the carpet. It's a whole thing. I didn't know you were getting a Roomba. I thought you were just getting a kid. Mm, that's his middle name is Henry Roomba. <laughs> Cunningham. Uh, then Dante moves into the Empyrean. The Empyrean. 
I, I have a, I say it like there's another word because I think it's like cats, like the musical cats, but it's not. It's just the Empyrean, right? <laughs> it is. The, yeah, it's the Empyrean. It's the highest level of heaven. Now you did skip over the part as we're moving up into the Empyrean, or like just after. Oh, sure. Where. Uh, once again, we have to pause just to consider how hot Beatrice is. Oh, hit me. If all things said of her up to this point were gathered in a single hymn of praise, it would be paltry matched to what is due. The beauty that I saw transcends all thought of beauty, and I must believe that only its maker may savor it all. I declare myself defeated at this point more than any poet, whether comic or tragic, was ever thwarted by a topic in his theme, for like sunlight striking on the weakest eyes, the memory of the sweetness of that smile deprives me of my mental powers. Whoa. Just. <laughs> bom, I feel bom. like I complained ch- about this ch- 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 last bom, time. Bom, like, bom. <laughs> is. Inferno and to a lesser extent Purgatorio had so much like variety. Oh yeah. In the things it was describing and in Paradiso I feel like we are leaning a little continuously sort of pausing to say once again because we've moved up and Beatrice has gotten even hotter but I can't tell you any more than that and I'm just going to instead of telling you how beautiful she is i'm just gonna tell you how i can't tell you how beautiful she is yeah yeah and then the other the other version of this is i saw a bright light and it was so bright (laughs) it was bright 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 shall i compare thee to a summer's day no i can't you're too pretty (laughs) i forget i do i did read a little bit as i was kind of you know trying to do my due diligence to make sure i didn't miss anything in my reading of it that apparently there's like you can interpret his relationship to Beatrice like she stands in for theology or the theology of Christianity. And like, I don't know how you could get that horny for theology, but I guess that's <laughs> it doesn't seem like a perfect one to one. But she is his guide here in a way that is like. She is teaching him about the true path of what God wants. Like she, all she's doing is slagging on Earth the whole time and how they, right. went, you know, how they strayed. So mm-hmm. there's something there, I'm sure. Um, up here, there's a little bit of time where he's just engulfed in light. He's in like a light elevator, and he doesn't talk much about it until he sees like some light rivers, right? Like. Mm-hmm. The light that flowed as flows a river, pouring its is gold. Is this the one they drinks out of? Um, yes, like a baby. He says, "Yeah, yeah." Like um, a baby. No infant he wakes out of it like a little baby. <laughs> no waking up too late for his unaccustomed feeding will thrust his face up to his milk with greater urgency than I to still make better ear- mirrors of my eyes and climb my head down toward the water that flows there for our betterment. Uh, and no sooner had the eaves of my eyelids drunk deep of that water than to me it seemed it had made its length into a circle. And he's up here in the pre in the Empyrean, and it's like a huge stadium, but there's also a giant flower, and there's a single ray of light that's illuminating the entire Rose Bowl, essentially. <laughs> I kind of lost... I, again, this is like some of the imagery is... It is attempting to awe me in a way that I can't properly explain. <laughs> well, and I feel like as as we get closer to God, we keep getting, we keep looking at these bright points of light and being like, okay, that one's God. No, wait, this one is God. Oh, no, wait, yes. This yes. next one is God. Mm-hmm. Like the, the point of light in the middle of all the flaming rings 
where the first ring's inside the second one and the second one's inside the third one and the third one's inside the fourth one and the fourth one's inside the fifth one and the fifth one's inside the sixth one and the sixth one's inside the seventh one and so on. Mm-hmm. Remember those ones? Yeah, I do. So that was God. And then this rose is God. And then later we see what is God. actually God, I guess. Yeah, like this the whole the point of, the whole point of this little like terrarium for this heaven rose is that it's like another refraction of God's light. We keep getting closer and you're right. We keep getting closer and closer. We keep thinking we're going to get to the source uh and we're still impressed and then we realize no wait, there's more. <laughs> What's that like principle or, or or um like the the concept where if you keep cutting the distance between two things in half you never actually get uh, there Zeno's paradox yeah yeah uh-huh. I think we're getting into a little bit of that sure Old Zeno is up here with Old us. Zeno is up here um and so the thing that we learn in this canto canto 30 from Beatrice as we're looking at the rose there's like people sitting on the rose and uh there's some empty chairs there's not a lot of them <laughs> Which Holland oh, is this the one where, <laughs> where Hollander's like, hmm, this is intriguing. <laughs> Isn't one of the chairs though reserved for like the current Holy Roman Emperor yes. because he's destined to lead Italy at Henry the Seventh, I think. Uh-huh. And this is again like Dante just bringing everything back to himself. Like he is on the same level as like the Virgin Mary and Eve and stuff <laughs> because <laughs> the guy that he personally likes who is going to unite Italy has a chair up here just waiting for him, just reserved with a little like folded paper yep. sign that says it's reserved for Henry the seventh on They've it. put like a cookie on there for him. He's got a program already there waiting for the God well, show. I mean, he's a, yeah, he's a, he's a season. He's a, he's a high level donor. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He's got his own parking spot. Yeah. I think, that, that, that's a good reminder because we don't get as much of the terrestrial politics up here in heaven. We get a lot more of the or and by terrestrial, I mean, like non church based politics, I guess. Like well, there's plenty of right, popes like, in hell and stuff, but there's also just a bunch of dudes who suck. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, well, and, and Dante has more chances to talk in other books, too. So maybe that also contributes that's a good to point. why we hear so much more about. Florence and he's and he's talking to people who are more concerned with earthly things like no one up here cares about what's going on in Florence they just care about how current preachers are telling airplane food jokes instead of trying to (laughs) tell everybody about God I don't know man if I got to go up into the light is there hmm, it seems at (laughs) odds that I would get to go all the way up to heaven and be this close to God and I'd, I'd have to sit around and be mad about Dirty dumb priests. Like <laughs> that seems like a raw deal. Or do or do they not care when Dante's not around? That's yeah, that's hard to say. And and again, we're we're getting this through Dante, and yeah, Dante yeah. has been very clear multiple times about how bad his <laughs> like eyesight and memory are yes. in this circumstance. So maybe they don't, you know, maybe they don't think about the bad popes at all. They just kind of mention him in passing, and Dante's like, "Well, I gotta get this thing to like 140 lines. So can we? Can I just add all the stuff about these bad popes? <laughs> well, oh yeah, I, they they probably talked about Pope Boniface. They probably did. I know they did. 
writes a big scrawl and you know by the time that he publishes it Beatrice <laughs> is up in heaven like I never said that I, I mean never. famously Dante was paid by the Tercet so we're just kind of marking time here sometimes it's I true think. it's true um so then there's like we're still talking about the rose um we Beatrice gets a spot on the rose she gets her own like throne um and he like goes to look up oh he, this there's like a little spot where he's like man i'm looking at this place and i am as dumbstruck as when a bunch of barbarians came to rome cuz this place is great <laughs> um he goes to look at her and she is gone she is like absconded to her throne and there is a man named bernard there saint bernard. bernard is here there's a dog this here is, this feels a little bit like when virgil was suddenly gone in the last in uh purgatorio yes it's true and beatrice was there is that you know somebody gets you most of the way there and then this other person has to uh get grab the baton and get us to the end so there's a couple things here this is was probably the canto where i enjoyed the footnotes the most uh from hollander canto 31 because Bernard shows up, Bernard, whatever his name, Saint Bernard, um, he's got the he's got the XXX barrel around his neck. He's here to rescue Dante. Uh, <laughs> Just call him Bernie. 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 Just Bernie is fine. That's not that name carries no connotations. Bernie's here, <laughs> and he is so like Hollander goes in on this kind of thing. He's like, first of all, it's strange that there is an old man here. Why are there old people in heaven? Dante is breaking from the the you know precedent laid out by Thomas Aquinas where we when we go to heaven we all turn 33 again cuz that's all Jesus was. That's a thing, Whoa. Andrew. That would actually be a good Ooh. I think that's a good rule of thumb though. Yes. Like that and one of my bigger questions has always been which version of you gets up to heaven. Apparently I think... the Jesus age version of you gets I in. Think... You got to make some except like you can't just like if a 14 year old or something shows up, you can't just like big everybody. But now. So, yes, there are babies in this Rose Bowl here that Dante mentions because we do spend a little time talking about circumcision for some reason. Um, and there are babies around and Hollander's like, well, I guess Dante didn't feel comfortable aging up a bunch of babies <laughs> in heaven. Where apparently Aquinas was like, nah, 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 that's how it works. You know, God they, God will they, age you at a way better rate than Earth can. It doesn't like Beatrice or I feel like somebody at some point when they're complaining about Christians on Earth talks about like children, children got it right. But then they grow up and they become bad at like exercising their free will. Oh, and yes. So I feel like a baby who you can instantly make an adult so that they still have kind of the brain of a baby but the strong body of a man or woman or whatever that seems ideal for heaven yeah it's probably good all the better yeah. to just stare at the sun in the sky i mean have you seen babies watching teletubbies that, like yeah, that's all that's, it is that's all they want to do so you have yeah put yeah have these adult babies yeah, so that's that, on the highest tier of heaven. Hollander goes in on the baby thing, and then he goes in. I don't think Hollander is a fan of Bernie, um, Bernie from the poem. Um, 
I was like, oh, wait, (laughs) was there an article about this? Um, So as you said, Andrew, Bernie shows up as Dante's guide for this last portion. Uh, The reason he has standing to do this, if you look at the like ancillary materials, and he even says this, he's like, I'm a big fan of Mary. Maybe you've met Mary and he like points to her in the sky. Um, This is... Bernie's thing in you know the real world was that he wrote a, he wrote a lot about the Virgin Mary and like created the tradition of revering the Virgin Mary in the way that a lot of Christian uh, faiths do. Um, I mean, seems a little creepy to me, but okay. Well, that's fine. what he did. So he gets he's you, you know I don't know, I don't know if a Christian as a Christian you want to be the guy who shows up to heaven and been like hey hey Jesus <laughs> I love your mom your mom your mom's pretty hot huh. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't seem good. I think you want to tell it. me. Let's talk about your mom, uh, Jesus. <laughs> and Hollander says we did not anticipate another guide in the poem. That's his first like thought on it, and he goes on. That's true because Beatrice gets foreshadowed a like, lot, a lot from the very beginning of the thing. Um, he says, and then suddenly this other, that suddenly Bernie's here. I know, it's, and he says, it's no weekend of Bernie's up here. No advocate for it can argue that it has been at all prepared for. <laughs> Like, this is just, like, deus ex Bernie over here just showing up to be your new guide. Um, and any attempt by, like, scholars to re- to say, like, oh, well, you know, St. Bernard, like, really influenced Dante's approach to this poem. Like, is a lot of, uh, you know, retconning, I think, <laughs> of the Divine Comedy to, like, make this fit. Um, there is not explicit reference or or build up to this in the poem so it does feel weird i think it is yeah i'm just as surprised as dante is when he turns around (laughs) to like give me another to like 12 lines about how he can't describe how beautiful beatrice is and instead we see an old man yes who's just like hey let me tell you about (laughs) mary yeah it's very strange there's something about mary eh that's what Bernard's all saying. There is something about Mary. So we go, we go like into the rows. Like we keep going. There, he he points. He's like just naming people on the rows. He's just it's like a parade. He's just like, hey, check out Rebecca. Check, you know, look out yeah, this, this lady. Is, this is where all the foundational people, yeah, hang out and party. So like Mary's at the center of it, but Eve's up in there and Rebecca's up in there. It's split, I think, into uh, people who like knew about christ before he came to earth and people who knew after yes and once again we get this and i think we dealt with this in an earlier episode but once again we get this sort of questioning from dante's like in this uh bending the rules a little bit don't you have a whole (laughs) spot in hell reserved for people who didn't have a chance to know about this and once again um Bernie says famously the exact quote, but uh, it's basically don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, shut up. Shut up. Hey, (laughs) these guys are important. Okay, they get to sit on the flower. They knew God personally. Uh, Thus, the company of those who prematurely came to this true life are not sine causa placed more and less exalted here among themselves. The king through whom this kingdom rests in love so great and in so great delight there, Will would never dare to ask for more, creating every mind in his own bliss, variously bestows his grace, and as he pleases, and in this case, let the fact suffice. Very hey Dante, shut up. <laughs> shut up, you face. Let the fact suffice is a really <laughs> good, like, that's just what it is. <laughs> 
Why didn't you do the dishes? Let the facts suffice. I think even in heaven, you got a bunch of angels up here being like, I don't know, man. It's above my pay grade. <laughs> do what the big guy tells me. <laughs> you know, I punch a card. I go sit in my flower. It's fine. I got to go spin in a circle for a Hey, millennia. man, I just work here, you know? <laughs> There is a back in the whole like Lucifer rebellion part, there is a whole rabbit hole to go down about like how long did that take because like God made all the angels and what were the angels even doing? Did they even have jobs? And then Lucifer revolted <laughs> and then like the good angels got to move the heavens around because they didn't revolt and like God gave them stuff to do. I don't know. I feel like there's like some there's a there's a workers' rights angle there to pursue. <laughs> yeah, there's like there's a thing about how their their whole reason for existing is just like to be in perfect to make God feel good about himself. Well, like to be in perfect attunement with God and to reflect His will back at Him at all times. Yeah, hmm. and so you do you deviate from that and you get cast out. I guess. I guess so. Um, I mean, I'm not. I'm listen. I'm not. Uh, not under any circumstances do you have to hand it to Lucifer. But, <laughs> but you are you are right that there are gaps here that I have questions about. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> we're moving forward. We're getting into Canto thirty three. We're we're in the home stretch. Um, Bernie does like a big prayer, and he's like, "Hey, Mary." Can my new friend Dante, who I just met, that that hot lady has been guiding around for the last day, uh, can he see God? Like, everyone is praying. Look around. And all of heaven apparently wants Dante to see God, which is, again, if you're writing self-insertion biblical fanfic, uh, you want to make sure that everyone in the Empyrean level wants you to see the big guy. Right, it's it's not enough for you just to see him. It has to be like everybody wants you to see him because you're so cool. Yes, uh huh. <laughs> and there's not like a. I kind of expected more of the like. Yes, we need him to see it so that he can go tell everyone on Earth like how dumb they are. There's not a lot yeah, of that. Yeah, and there and there seems to be. I don't, and I don't know if this is just what we're getting through Dante or or what, but there does seem to be this sort of tacit understanding that. He's going to be able to go back and convey something, yes. but it's not going to be like there. There is no point in trying to make the story have a lesson because he's not going to remember what it was. Well, and it, it, also, none of the people up here seem to be concerned with any of the questions we've been raising about how any of this works. So, like, there well, is a certain the, amount let of the facts suffice. Yeah, let know? the facts suffice, and that gets you in the door like that gets you past the velvet rope into heaven is like you're just willing to let the facts suffice um i almost said facts of life the facts the facts suffice um so yeah so he does like a big prayer it lets dante into into see god he gets to see you know the great and powerful oz and yeah and and the main thing in this passage is i guess he gets like a he sees some other stuff Two, and you I don't know if you had anything in particular you wanted to talk about, but the, the main thing is that he gets like this glimpse of the Holy Trinity. Yeah, he, which is basically like these three circles that are all like interrelated in some way. Yes, he sees three circles of light slash fire 
uh, that occupy the same space in such a way that you look at them and you simultaneously see one ring and you see three. So it's the it's the Holy Trinity. Um, you cannot separate the one from the three or the three from the one. Um, and this is him after he's being like, oh, I kind of got Men in Black zapped and I don't really remember this, but I think <laughs> it looked like this. I have an impression it looked like this. And then he like squints and he sees, quote, our likeness. Like he sees a likeness of man within the circles. And he's trying to figure out how that works. And he basically blacks out. <laughs> like he doesn't have an answer to it. He just kind of sees that it's there. Hit me. Right. Like, but my wings had not sur- sufficed for that. Had not my mind been struck by a bolt of lightning that granted what I asked. Here my exalted vision lost its power. But now my will and my desire, like wheels revolving with an even motion, were turning with the love that moves the sun and all the other stars. The end. <laughs> love is the message, man. Love is the message. I feel like lightning bolt, like God can just hit you with the lightning bolt. <laughs> That's a message too. He wants is also a message. <laughs> yeah. God will, you know, is various in his grace or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so like boiled down, I totally understand. Oh, I don't, um, maybe I don't totally understand, but I feel like I have a handle on what happened. But in the moment, there is a lot of like, what am I looking at? What are, <laughs> who are we talking to? Is that a real river? The, the trick of this being a poem with a lot of simile and metaphor, Dante being a poet, using his poetic tools until they're taken away from him, <laughs> is that it is very easy, as I found, especially in Paradiso, to lose a little bit, if I'm not careful, the thread of like, what is Dante actually looking at? And when is he giving me a protracted metaphor for the beauty that he's seeing because he can't otherwise describe it? Sure. Yeah, I, I think I found myself in Paradiso more than in the other books catching myself like reading the words and not really absorbing them because it is just so it it is so hard to like read a canto and then turn to somebody next to you who asks you (laughs) okay what happened it's just really it's it's difficult to to sum it up because there is a lot of sort of re- repeated concepts if not like repeated language the other thing that that and yeah a lot of it is just like big long blocks of text and it's hard to it's not always easy to know what is going on well it, there he does not stumble upon a dude in a hole who then like speaks through his butt and goes like let me tell you my story like there's less of that and there's more people like chiding humanity while also describing beautiful colors and lights and for me, this, even more so than the other two uh, canticles, I think is the word, whatever the word for a third of the poem is, um, okay. this one felt like an extended tour guide sequence, which is hard for creating a sense of like plot and continuity. Like it really, even as even when Virgil was Dante's guide, there was that time when those demons were like on a bike or something. Like those demons were like chasing him through the fire, and well, and there was wasn't there at least one time where they tried to continue going down, and somebody was like, "Hey, you can't can't yes, sit here," yes. and like Virgil had to go and narc <laughs> to God to like 
by their passage the rest of the way through. Yeah, so there, there's just something innate about what Dante is trying to express that makes this third of the poem feel even more like a trip through a museum where I can't even comprehend the art. Like, over here is the... Like, like it's just like visual <laughs> noise that is meant to convey something supernatural and beyond man's comprehension, of course, um, but it also makes it hard to express on a podcast. Yeah, well, it, it, it's a combination of that and then the a thing that I'd sort of started to experience as we made our way through uh, art museums in Italy, which is... Yeah, I get it. A little overload. Mary yeah. Mary and child. Yeah. Could you like paint a hill or something? <laughs> like is there not That's an interesting perspective. Yeah. I know yeah, that yeah, yeah. I, I know that's I know the money that's where all the money was, was painting all these pictures of Mary and Jesus baby Jesus, but could I get like uh just like a Bob Ross landscape yep. of something in here? Yep. Mm-hmm. Just, I buy that. Saturdays in the park with Augustus or something. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I guess like that gets to one of my other takeaways, which was for the poem overall, for the Divine Comedy overall, coming in, something that we found along the way, and I certainly did not know coming in, was how much of it was rooted in Dante, a dude from the 13th and 14th century Italy who had some grudges and some thoughts about how the 1300s were going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my brain, it's this like cordoned off exploration of what the afterlife is mm-hmm. and what we found very clearly is that it is this early renaissance text that is like wrestling a bunch of mythologies together to to get the ancient texts run through a christian lens and it is also like a burn book um and that that element I was not expecting, and it it made for fun reading in the first third, and it made it harder to get away from that because I was like, oh, we're now we're in the part where it's like just you know the better version of the Bible that Dante wants or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> the Bible fan fiction, yeah, um, the fan testament. Oh man. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, in the first third, I've it, it felt more like normal overdue, where you and I, where we just read a thing and then we sort of recount the thing and talk to each other about what we liked the most. And then by the time we get to Paradiso, it's very much like I need to talk about this with somebody who also just read it because otherwise I got nothing, man. <laughs> and it, I really like our normal approach of like being lay people like we, yes, we are not yes. we've done yes we've done a book podcast where we have released like 420 whatever episodes but we're not you know we weren't english majors we don't we don't spend a lot of time like we're not steeped in t- academic approach to this stuff. right yeah, yeah yeah like we we learn what we sort of need to to learn to talk about the discussion around each book that we do but it's also very much like what if I had three beers and talked about a book with this guy with somebody else at a party? Yeah, and yeah. I recorded it and I released it. And you can tell from the iTunes reviews that most people enjoy that, and some people <laughs> do not. <laughs> but I can't. I can't like even more so than with the the Odyssey. I cannot imagine trying to tackle 
even like a third of this at a time in our normal. Oh, format. no like, way. I, I don't know. And it, and it's not just a length thing. Like we did a two hour and something minute episode on infinite jest that I thought got the book pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't like even given two hours to talk about Paradiso. Like, I don't Where do you even start? Like, what do you, I feel what like do you get to. And, 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 and like, Sometimes we return to to elements throughout our episodes, like Dante being full of himself, or like the repeated stuff about light and yeah, and Beatrice being hot and Dante's memory and whatever. And I, I feel like, dude, that's like part of it, though. It's, like, it is you you have to you have to have enough time to talk about that part of it to understand all the stuff that it's doing. Well, and what if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think something that we are certainly not equipped to talk about and we've at best been able to allude to is the ways in which Dante does or does not expect the reader to come to this with a certain amount of information. And now some of that information is like familiarity with the Bible because you're writing it in the four, you know, the 1300s and like you just assume that people who can read it are well versed in this stuff. Um, but he's also including a lot of ancillary material and people from <laughs> religious traditions. And then outside, um, God, I'm doing like concentric circles, just like Paradiso. Um, outside that circle. Wait, can you describe to me again how concentric circles <laughs> work? <laughs> there's one and then there's two and then there's three and there's four. Uh, um, oh, yeah. Okay. okay yeah. Okay, in case you forgot. Um, mm-hmm. And then outside of the like, oh, here are your friars that are important and your saints. Outside of that, there's just like a bunch of corrupt political dudes that explain some of the mor- the morals that Dante wants to like his versions of these sins and things like that um and some of that he spells out some of most of which he does not he's very content <laughs> to to introduce an image of a person and not tell you their name at all or like two pages later yeah, right. Like, like the only way I caught most of that is through footnotes or like the synopses. Yeah, yeah. Reading sort of after the fact for this this last. And one. what I find myself not having an answer for is like, what did Dante expect of a reader of the Inferno? Did he or of the Divine Comedy? Did he expect them um, to catch all the references? Did he expect them to? get the poetic and religious imagery first and foremost. And then the political stuff was like kind of like a Trojan horse. Like he, he didn't sneak it in cause it's front and center for a good part of the poem, but it's like, that's also an ancillary goal. I don't know. Like, I don't know who his imagined reader is. It's not us to be frank. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know how, I don't know that we are a lot of people's imagined readers. Sure. Honestly, well, we're making like a good faith effort, you know. Oh, Yo, yeah, we're trying. We're trying real hard. It's I've got to imagine. I think it's like and I, it's just because I've been rewatching the show as I've been like napping and putting Henry to bed over the last nine months. But I've got to imagine it's kind of like watching a mystery science theater episode where everybody gets a different 80, a slightly different 80 percent of the jokes. Oh, <laughs> ooh, I like that. OK, <laughs> yes. So you, depending on who you are reading it, you get most of it and the stuff that you don't get kind of washes over you, but everybody takes away like a slightly different thing from it. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I like that take. I like that take a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the other thing, just separating this for me from Homer time 
is that like there's a certain category of literary work. Uh, I think I had let this occupy. I think I alluded to this earlier. I think I had let this occupy a space in my brain that's just like, um, this is just a big gnarly poem with stuff in it that like exists <laughs> over there. And I I I did not come into it expecting a singular dude's perspective or singular person's perspective as much. And something that we had fun with in Homer time was like, yeah, Homer was probably a person, but he was just as much a like a reporter and a recorder of a tale that had probably been told by different people for a while. Yes. Right. And this is constructed by a person in a way that is much more similar to a book that would get published today than it shares with something like the Odyssey. Um, yeah, right. Like you have you have to wrestle with authorial perspective and intent in this book in a way that you just don't have to when you read Homeric stuff. Which is not a thing I think about when I'm thinking about biblical stuff, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Even though I know that like there's a lot of scholarship on the different gospels when you get into the New Testament and which guy said what and who saw what, like that's actually a a big part of what people take from the New Testament. So maybe that's just speaks to my my uh not can, is there a is there a possessive noun for being a neophyte <laughs> that's sort of that's the word i'm looking you're for, like though. you're what like journeyman's my, understanding my of... dilettantism perhaps <laughs> to be the like, least charitable to myself i i guess and and this i might be just talking on my butt like a guy who lives in dante's hell yeah but I, I i just feel like in popular culture if you are not and even I guess even if you are sort of raised Christian or, or raised religious, I think you will just have absorbed more of like classical mythology through other pop culture mm-hmm. than you will like a biblical story. I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair. I don't know. Like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like Veggie Tales or whatever, but it, it is I feel like it is mostly covering the same broad strokes. Over and over, like Noah, Moses, like you, you hit the big, yeah. The, you'd play the hits, yes, you'd but do. you don't get as far into, the, I don't know, like the guy who drags the sun around in his chariot, like it's just, you don't, you don't, you don't get into the nuts and bolts of the world as much. Yeah, no, that's that's totally true, um, um, and I think that's why you also see a lot of folks argue over how imagery from the Bible gets deployed in various arguments, you know. Um, because it's like, well, you only read that one and I only read this one and we have different interpretations of this thing and we don't, we are not comfortable with the tradition where we could have different interpretations of a thing, which is <laughs> really a thing that we should probably cultivate. Um, but yeah, that's Hellboys, I guess. Andrew. That's Hellboys. Thanks for going on this journey to see God with me. It's been a long, I think when we started, Henry hadn't been born yet. Correct. Right? Like I, yes. I remembered trying to stockpile the first few of them. Yep, that's true. Specifically because he is Henry's the original Hellboy. He is the Hellboy. He's the Hell and <laughs> my son is the Hellboy. <laughs> All along. Um So what, boy, next? what now? Yeah, so okay. So we have plans moving forward. Um, some of which, depending on when you're hearing this episode, you may have seen them on our social feeds or not. But Andrew, what are we going to do next month for our Patreon supporters who support at the Hellboys slash Homer Time level? 
So uh, next month we are going to do sort of a cap on Hellboys. We did a couple, an episode or two of, of Overdue that were caps on Homer time. We did the Emily Wilson interview, which was super fun. Um, obviously we can't interview Dante. So we are going to read another Inferno, but this one by a little, a little guy, a little known author who I think is going to go far. His name's Dan Brown. Oh, sure. <laughs> and I think this is what, like the third or fourth it's the Da Vinci Code It's the book? fourth Robert Langdon novel. Yes. Really okay, picking it up so- with no... <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, so I, I read Da Vinci Code in like 2013. Yep. <laughs> and now we're coming back to read Inferno. But I can't I can't wait. It's gonna be fun. For all the really good Dante jokes that are gonna be in this one. Yeah, I can't wait. It's gonna be it's gonna be really fun. And then Craig, do you wanna tell everybody about our next long read project? Yeah. We're gonna keep those we're gonna keep those rolling. We've had fun with them. I think people have had fun with them. And we would not be doing them if not for our Patreon supporters. So thank you uh for your continued support. We are going uh, to launch a new long reads project called Genie Babies. Um, and we are going to read a collection of stories from the Thousand and One. T- what is it? The Thousand and One Tales? Thousand and One Nights, or Ara- in uh, English, it's frequently called The Arabian Nights. The Arabian Nights, um, the collection of stories. Um, that center around like Scheherazade telling tales. Um, We are going to be reading. We don't know what the pacing of it is. We're actually going to spend this next month while we work on Dan Brown's Inferno, (laughs) Uh, kind of coming up with our roadmap for this. But we are going to be reading uh, the translation by Hussein Hadoui of uh, Masin Mahdi's text, which is like... I think it's the Leiden text. We'll we'll do some scholarship on this, so we'll we'll have it in the first episode. But it is yeah, it is an edition that goes back to like the 14th century and is supposed to uh, be rooted in one of the oldest collections of this text. So we're trying to get to the bottom of the thing, um, and it's a relatively recent English translation to, on top of it. So we should have some fun there. Yeah, and, and we might not end up reading the, all of it. And- yeah entire thing we we don't know like what order like whether we're going to try and go in order if we're going to try to like group episodes by theme i think in general we intend this to be like a slightly shorter project than homer time and hellboys those both took about a year and i think we are just we're looking at this as more of like a palate cleanser we'll see though who knows i mean we will see if we get super into it who knows but, but stay um, tuned for Genie Babies. Yeah, Genie Baby. We we were the Hellboys. Now we become the Genie Babies. Oh my God! I don't. I'm not. This isn't bragging, but I the all the names happen to be my fault. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you if you need to if you need to yell at somebody, yell at me. Don't subject Craig to this. Yeah, it's definitely all of your fault. Genie babies. Oh my God! Thanks for <laughs> journeying through hell with all with us, everyone. Um, if you have any thoughts on the Paradiso or the rest of the Divine Comedy, send us an email at overduepod@gmail.com, Facebook.com/slash/overduepod, Twitter.com/slash/overduepod. Andrew, you know the drill. Tell them where to go. Overduepodcast.com is the website. We have links to all of our feeds. Well, some of the feeds, some of the other feeds include Spotify and Stitcher. Uh, we have a new listener page. We have a link to our Patreon page that Craig mentioned, patreon.com slash overdue pod. 
Uh, give us a little money, support us, and uh, get episodes early. Or don't. We're very understanding that everybody has different needs in, in these trying times. Um, what else we got? I, just, I think so that's it's like, it. or don't, which is like, I run a store. Like, spend your money here. Or don't. I don't care. I just want to... <laughs> I love when people support us, but I don't want them to feel bad no, if it's, they don't. It's, or no, it's... can't. Spread, yeah. yeah. Just listening is really enough. Um... Andrew, at like the end of every Hellboys episode, you got a quote to take us away. I do, I do, I do. And in this case, let the facts suffice. (laughs) 